Hey everybody, it's Tim. Welcome or welcome back to the LOH Church Podcast. At the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and our YouTube channel where you can access all of our message content. Most importantly, I hope the following message inspires you to take your next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. We're in a series called Heart and Soul, message number four. When you run into troubles beyond what your heart can bear, the Bible gives us story after story of the Lord bearing the burdens of our heart. That's what this message is about today, but more than that, it's about how the Lord bears the burdens of our heart. Psalm 34. Psalm 34 is written by David, and I have a confession to make. Last week, I attributed the psalm that we used last week to David, and actually Asaph read it. I mean, wrote it. I don't know if he's zooming in today. We have that verse that says, we're encompassed with a great cloud of witnesses. I don't have any clue why Asaph would want to tune in to me, but in case he is, I deeply apologize to Asaph because David wrote so many hits, but Asaph wrote some good ones. As a matter of fact, the one we looked at last week, when my heart and my flesh failed, God is the strength of my heart. That is an Asaph song. It'd be like George Harrison's Here Come the Sun being attributed to John and Paul. And I am sorry, Asaph, for doing that today. But pushing you aside again, we're going to David. Psalm 34, Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. Isn't that a powerful, cool verse? His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul will, doesn't it make you want to shout? Yeah, well, watch where this comes from. My soul will boast it in the Lord. The humble will hear and rejoice. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Now, certainly... David is writing this after just getting off sabbatical, just coming back from the Outer Banks where everything's wonderful, or down in wherever you're, he's just had a great time, he's sitting by there with his coffee, and he's just thinking, you know what, I'm just feeling the Jesus vibe, and I'm going to write, and that's not where this comes from. I sought the Lord, and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. They looked to him and were radiant, and their faces will never be ashamed This poor man cried, and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all his troubles. Psalm 34, 1 through 6. If you don't have a Bible with you today, I'd encourage you to uh, go to the YouVersion Bible app, and if someone could crank the AC up just a little bit more, I'm about to get sweaty up here. So uh, if you could do that, would it help me? Uh, Second of all, Go to the YouVersion Bible app, follow along. I'm in the New American Standard Bible. You ha- we have an events page on there, LOH, and if you don't, uh, or just go to a Bible app and, and follow along. I'd really like you to follow along. We have some of the verses on the screen today we'll show you, but I'd really encourage you to bring your own Bible and, uh, and, and follow along. In some of your Bibles, above Psalm 34, it will say, this Psalm was written when David was running for his life, or, This psalm was written when David faked like he was insane. So that's the backstory, and we're going to go there today. 
Most of you know who David is. And for those who are just new at this thing, a just quick summary, he was a young shepherd boy who became selected by God himself to become God's king over Israel. Um, his brothers, seven other brothers, were paraded in front of the prophet Samuel, and David wasn't even gonna be looked at. Nobody even thought of him. And every single one of these brothers came in front of Samuel, and Samuel looked at them and thought, that's the guy. And God said, that's not the guy. Because God said, I don't look at the outward appearance, I look at the heart. Imagine what kind of marriages we'd have. Imagine what kind of leadership teams we put together. Just imagine. If we didn't look at the outward appearance, but the heart. And then the psalmist said that God spoke and said, I have found my servant David. And God told Samuel when David, this little young teenage boy, comes into his presence, he said, rise up and anoint him. And now, the anointing of that time was different than what we do. Like, when we have people, pray, we, we put a little dab of, uh, uh, this is actually the real stuff, frankincense and myrrh. I think this was saved from the wise men that came. We bought this on a, from a TV, 1999 on TV. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, but this is, you know, but they didn't do that. They, they would literally take the horn, a, a ram's horn, about that long, maybe longer, fill that whole thing with oil. And then they'd pour the whole thing over the person they anointed. And I just began to think, how many people would come up and get into the prayer lines? <laughs> and then I thought, let's start a new denomination. <laughs> let's start a ram's horn anointing denomination and say to the whole rest of the body of Christ, it doesn't count if you use only this amount. <laughs> and then after I thought about that, I thought I shouldn't say that from the pulpit because there'll be some granola believer that will take me seriously on that and hear the Lord tell them. Anyway, I've been in this a long time. I have to enjoy, try to. David gets anointed and when he's anointed symbolically with the oil, the Holy Spirit literally comes upon him in power from that moment on. And then we hear about the legendary story, we know about it, where he kills the giant, Goliath. And because of that great accomplishment, King Saul, King Saul invites David to live in his palace. The only problem with that is King Saul has sinned against the Lord, and the Lord took his anointing away before he took his position away. That'll preach. And... This narcissistic demon triggered king in love with himself seeks to destroy David and literally kill him. He throws a spear at him, tries to pin him to the wall. David runs and literally for, for, for years, years, just like Hagar, 300 million seconds. For years, David is running for his life, not metaphorically, really. So you go from the ram's horn service anointing with a prophetic word, you're going to be king of Israel, and instead of that happening, you're dodging spears and you're on the government secret hit list. 
and you're living under the real terror of that, and you forget God has you on the way to the throne. When we go through things like that, of course the devil wants to have his say and he wants to do his thing. But a lot of times when we're in those kind of things, we give the devil all the credit. I want to let you know this is God's training ground for this young man. God is training in the midst of this. There's an old song that said, Mama said there'd be days like these. There'd be days like these, Mama said. Well, here's the thing. A lot of mamas and daddies in the body of Christ have not told people there will be days and seasons and times like this. And when they come, you don't know what to do with them. The times when you're thinking, if I was going to be this and God said that, then why? If then why this? I can understand if it was a that, but it's not a that. The that's aren't too bad. They're bad, but they're not. The that's are, my friend went through a that. My sister's going through that. But that's not what this is. This is not a that. This is a this. Or if I'm in this, then what did I do wrong? Where did I miss God? And many experts will come and tell you or project their own issues on yours. Or presume that what you're going through is what they went through. And if, then what do I do now? Don't you wish there was somebody in this room that needed to hear this message today? I want you to see this process play out. There are psalms that speak of a, a level of despair David wrote a bunch of psalms that didn't start out with magnify the Lord. They start out with God, where are you? And it goes into deeper things. Why did you not? Where are you? I'm going to die if you don't. There are those in there too. We're going to read about this amazing encounter in this desert wilderness run for your life season and see how God encourages David's heart. The Lord creates these moments that David doesn't create them. Spiritual brothers don't create them. There is no create. There's just running for your life mode and God up the road creates sovereign moments to encourage David. This message this morning is for young middle school students that are in spiritual leadership positions in your school already. This message is for a high school young man, young woman, going into a new year, and you know you're anointed, you have a vision, and God gave it to you, and in the midst of the victories, in case the spear flies at your head, I want you to hopefully remember what God is I'm like the guy that you just ordered a big load of wood and he brings his truck and he dumps it in your yard. You've got to do something with the wood. Okay, that's what this message is. This message is for a young parent who, and you love the Lord, but you're pulling the weight of two instead of one because the other isn't walking by faith. This is the message for those of you who are under the scrutiny of unbelievers who are calling your imperfections out on your way to the destiny of your life so they can justify why they're not following God with all their heart.
This is for the brother or sister. And you've forgotten that God used you to kill a giant because the spear almost got your ear. And this is for those of you who are here dancing in the spirit today. But when, not if, when this kind of scenario is hitting, I got to tell you, your path isn't a stroll through the magic kingdom. With every new level of advancement in your destiny, there will be new devils. Ready? The Lord is about to create an unforgettable moment, two, three, five of them for David. We're going to look at them. David is in the wilderness. One of my favorite preachers, hint, hint, Dr. Charles Swindoll. Don't put it up yet, sorry. I want to read a little bit before we put up what, he, what I want you to see, he said. He says, during the many years, many years, that David fled from Saul, David also used, God also used this wilderness to shape David's character through the discipline of waiting on him. And actually, actually to, to be even more accurate, through the discipline of running for your life. Now you're going to see what he said. God often allows the weary circumstances to compel us finally to do what we should have done at the beginning, surrender all control to God. God would like you to learn from your experience in the wilderness. He wants to change your appetite when you get one, actually. When you're running for your life, you probably lose it. But when you get it back, you might want something different. Change your habits. Change your style. And in the process, change your entire life. After running for your life, most likely, God's changed your entire life. This was God's king in the making. Don't forget, it's easy to forget what God has said. It's easy to forget the anointed moments. It's easy to forget the unfolding of the revelation of who you are in the kingdom of God when accusations land behind your shield of faith and get underneath the helmet of salvation. And it's easy to be gripped with fear when it's the person that promoted you is now seeking to pin you against the wall or worse. And you don't understand what, why. And God is using this experience to mold and shape a young man whom had been promised by God himself <clears throat> the destiny of being king over all of Israel. Reminds me of that biblical story of Simba and Mufasa. <laughs> Uncle Scar kills Mufasa, the king, and then he seeks to kill Simba because Simba 
is to inherit the kingdom. And Simba runs for his life, literally. And in the midst of all that confusion, he loses his way, he loses his identity, he gets to be rough around the edges and has an attitude until God sends Rafiki and knocks him in the head. And in this mystical new age moment that no biblical person would watch except me and get something out of it from God. Mufasa appears mystically in the clouds and he says to Simba, Simba, you've forgotten me. And Simba says, I've not forgotten you. How have I forgotten you? And he says, when you forget who you are, you've forgotten me. Come on, Jesus. Ollie has Holy Ghost goosebumps on his arms right now because Ollie is the biggest Lion King fan in the room. And I told him before the service, I put that part in there just for him. We forget in those times that the wilderness is God's property, even though the devil makes great boasts. God's in control. And you know, Charles Haddon Spurgeon said this, the devil is God's devil. So indulge me for a minute. I want to read. I brought Excalibur today. I'm going to do something radical. I'm going to read long passages of scripture in church. First Samuel 21, then David, this is what he's ready. He's running for his life. He's running for his life. And he came to Nob to Ahimelech, the priest. And Ahimelech came trembling to meet David and said, why are you alone and no one with you? Ahimelech's afraid because rumor has it. And he thinks anyone, anyone that the king's after gets close to me, I'm in trouble. And David says to Ahimelech, the king, he lies. He lies. It's funny what we'll do when we're running for our life. Not funny, actually. The king has commissioned me with a matter and has said, let no one know anything about the matter on which I'm sending you. In other words, he lies, I'm on a secret mission from Saul. And then he says, do you have any bread on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever, you can, whatever can be found. And the priest says, there is no ordinary bread on hand. Here's God's first thing. We'll, we'll break it down here in a minute. There is no ordinary bread on hand. Oh, but there is the consecrated bread. There's the holy bread. In other words, there's the bread that's used in the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, the bread that only the priests can eat, the bread that's set up 12 loaves, 12 tribes, God providing, promise to provide sustenance for Israel all through their life in the wilderness. We symbolize that. God wants to remind people of that. He goes, we have that bread and that's all we have. And if your men have been consecrated, you can have that bread. There's a sermon in that too. Ollie, I'm, there's a bunch of sermons here. Lance, wherever you are, there's a bunch of sermons in here, man. Uh, someone needs to get that. Please. So he gives them the bread. It's, the, it's called the bread of the presence. Now mark these, we're coming back to them. He gives them off the table, the bread of the presence. And then... And then, while this is going on, 
In verse 7 it says, but one of the servants of Saul was there. Just remember that. And then David says to Ahimelech, now is there not a spear or a sword on hand? He needs protection. He has none. And the priest says, now get this, of all the swords that can be there, there's only one, get this, the sword of Goliath the Philistine whom you killed in the valley of Elah. Behold, look, it is wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod, that's the priestly robe. If you would take it for yourself, take it, for there is no other accepted here. And David said, there is none like it, give it to me. Bread, sword, and it's the sword of the enemy you killed. Put back in your hand when you're running for your life. So he leaves there, and he then runs to a Philistine king named Achish, who are the enemies of Israel, but he's more afraid of a brother in Israel than an enemy out. And he's so afraid that Achish could try to kill him, that he pretends he's insane to the point that he even has saliva run down his beard and scribbles on the walls to save himself. And while he's doing this, the king's servants are watching this and they go, isn't this the one that the, they sang that song about? Saul has killed his thousands and David his ten thousands once again. God is bringing up into the mind of David the prophetic victorious songs that Israel sang about him and using an enemy to bring it out. But David becomes scared and he runs for his life from there to a cave in Adullam and stays there. Meanwhile, Saul is with his soldiers and he begins to mope as narcissists do making it all about him, and he begins to blame all of the soldiers who didn't fight for his honor and kill David when they had the chance. And he said, if someone will do that, I'll give you vineyards and sheep and all that. And Doeg steps up and goes, hey, I was there. I know where he is. I know where he was. And so Saul sends his armies there to Ahimelech, that priest, and Saul orders his soldiers to kill him and all the priests and the people. Nobody will do it. But Doeg said, I'll do it. And he kills them all. And after that, David lives happily ever, nope. More years go by of running for his life. You're dismissed. No. Not everything ties all up together in a 30-minute, 40-minute sitcom or movie story. And I have to tell you the facts that some of these seasons of our life don't get fixed, like I said last week, in three services, five services, 10 services, 10 weeks, sometimes regarding who you are in the kingdom and, and, and the strategic destiny that you play, some of these things can be long. And I'll tell you how long they are. They will last as long until God says you're ready. 
So what does God do for David? First of all, when he's running for his life, God makes provision. There is no ordinary bread on hand. Try to find me wherever I am. There is no ordinary bread on hand, but there is a consecrated bread. It's called the bread of the presence. The literal Hebrew calls it the bread of the face. He makes provision. Second of all, he reminds him of his protection. I need a spear. Do you have a spear? Do you have a sword? Do you have something? He goes, I don't have anything, but I do have this one thing. I have behind the priestly robe. There's a sermon in that. The sword of Goliath. Remember, he didn't say this, I'm at. Remember when you had no way to, de to defeat him? When he said that he would, he would take your body and feed it to the birds of the air and the Holy Spirit came on you and you said, I will cut your head off and feed your body. To the, so all of Israel will know there's a God in heaven. And then you ran toward him. Remember that? And you cut his head off, took his sword. Here, God wants to put that sword right back in your hand. I know you're running for your life, but here's your way through. I'm going to put the sword, a reminder of the great victories that God did for you in the past. I'm going to put it right back in your hand if you want it. And David said, there's nothing else like being reminded of the victories that God gave me that I could have never accomplished, put it back in my hand. Then he arose and he went to King Akish. Now, wouldn't you think, oh, I'll just go fight devils and dragons? You would. There are different... There are different levels of intensity of attack that don't necessarily get you back on course. And David is not able to navigate through with the easy believe verses and scriptures, right? Uh, this is my theatrical interpretation of men and women of God who are running for their life and other people who are not have never been through that trying to help them through it and it looks like this and here's the other person hey hey dude how are you doing i'm running for my life literally oh dude that's a bummer um hey listen um i'm wondering if you can pray for me Okay, but I'm, I'll try to remember, I'm, I'm running for my life literally. Oh, dude, well, listen, I've been looking for a new car online. And, uh, man, I'm so frustrated. I had three cars and the deals went just down through the tubes. I'm losing my Jesus vibe, man. Can you just keep me in prayer? Okay, try to. I'm running for my life. Dude, I just sent you a praying hands emoji on your phone. Um, 
I dropped my phone six miles back. Someone threw a spear at my head and it almost hit me. I don't have a phone. Oh, dude, man. I know what you're, lo- I know what it feels like. I lost my phone the other night, too. Okay. Um, hey, man, listen, you know that verse, God won't give you more than you can bear. I can't bear this. I, I, I can't do it. Hey, man, don't speak into existence. Don't speak into existence this. Can you speak this out of existence? I'm running for my life. Dude, listen, I'll be praying. I'll see you at church next Sunday. Okay. I'll see you at church. Unless I'm dead. Thank you. We need more than that. We need prophetic pronouncements, even if they come from unbelievers, to get us back into some sort of navigational way to remember who we are and to remember who he is. And we can look at David and we can look at people. One of my dear friends was talking about this terrible experience they had at a local grocery store the other day and how they felt like they're getting so frustrated and all that stuff. And this person's a believer and a great believer and somebody I admire. And I was, and I was thinking, and they weren't in the, the store that I go in. And I can remember being in a store I go in most of the time. And this store has a robot in it. And this robot like seems to follow you around. And I usually don't mind that, but there have been days. Have you ever been, had a day when you didn't feel like, you know, Jesus's brother and you're kind of like going through and you're going through this thing and you're trying to get through quick. And this, every time there's this dang robot, you just want to turn around and go, bah, bah, you know, you just, you just kind of want to, you just kind of want to punch it in the face. And then you remember, I'm a pastor. I can't do that. At least not in this city. And someone, if you did punch the robot in the face, I'm sure there would be somebody there that would go, that guy's not biblical. And we, listen, have you ever felt like scribbling on the wall because it's, you've been running for your life for a while? Have you ever vented or griped out of character that you're supposed to live in 24-7 and then you delete what you posted, but it's not before he or she or they saw it? Anybody ever get a little cray-cray after you've been running for your life? You giant killer you. Let's not judge people too harshly when they're running for their lives. They might write a song about it that thousands of years later, the church will find comfort and strength from their story. So David runs to a cave. You guys with me? 
find me. Find me if you can. Mine says slide seven. I have no idea where it, there we go. So David left there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. When his brothers and the rest of his family learned about it, they went down there to him. I'm sure because I, I'm not, I know a man in Christ that was running for his life. He wasn't interested in anybody coming around. He wasn't, he didn't want a church. He didn't want a following. He didn't want to start a movement. And he just wanted to figure it out on his own. But here they come. His family came to the cave. You know why his family came to the cave? Check me on this theologically if I'm wrong and expose me on Facebook or YouTube later. But my theory is they didn't come because they cared about David. They did the math. We're related to the one the king and the government wants to take out. So we better run. And so the ones who didn't like David's way and critiqued him as he's getting ready to kill the giant for all of them, questioned his motive. So here they come, get that. Here they come to a place you don't even wanna be. Not in the best place emotionally, spiritually, anything. And here the family comes. We're doing real church today. Bros whom were probably bringing all that back up. The cave blaming brothers who are only there because perhaps God's going to protect David and we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna, we're gonna mooch off it. And that's not all who came. Look what else who came. All those who were in trouble or owed money or discontented gathered around him. Let me tell you who didn't come. The, the leadership grads from John Maxwell's School of Leadership didn't come. Rich believers didn't come. Hillsong United, they weren't on that mission. Casting Crowns wasn't there to sing the shepherd boy song. Nope. William Wallace, Robert the Bruce, they weren't there. The Bruce Willis character from Die Hard, he wasn't there. Punky and Wiggy and Five Buck Charlie showed up. How many of you are... How many of you have been? I mean, David wasn't like, hey, let's take a group selfie. <laughs> Meanwhile, I told you what was going on with Saul and Doag who saw him. Let's hit that verse again. That day, Doag the Edomite, chief of Saul's shepherds, and later Saul is triggered in this wacko narcissistic moment again and he promises the troops anybody who kills Saul's enemy will be blessed. The next passage says, then Doag the Edomite who was standing by the servants of Saul said, I saw the son of Jesse coming to Nob and I, I, he inquired of the Lord for him, gave him provisions and gave him the sword of Goliath the Philistine 
Then the king said to Doeg, you turn around and attack the priests. And Doeg the Edomite turned around and attacked the priest, killed that day 85 men who wore the ephod. And he struck Nob the city of the priests with the edge of the sword, killed both men and women, children, infants, oxen, donkeys, sheep. He struck with the edge of the sword. And I'm adding that because of this. When you're running for your life and all this stuff's coming on you, then all this other stuff can take place, this collateral damage, and Satan will make sure you feel you caused it. And prayer emojis don't help. And the only thing that helps is the one who made the promise to you to start with. And the way he constructs to save your sanity and your heart is to up in front of you when others think you're running away. You're just running to live. And the God who called you as a shepherd boy in moments that don't make sense to you, the church, the experts, God creates ways for you to feed off the very of his presence. God is able to put in your hand so you feel it. The victories of the past that now are so foreign to your mindset that you think it was another person that did it. And bring around you people that when they come, you're like, man, the last thing I need right now is more compiling of others and their stuff on my life. And let me tell you what God's doing. He's making a king out of this guy. It's so impossible. If you would have said, David, what are you feeling right now? What do you right now where do you think God's and that's the other thing what's God saying to you right now what's God what's the answer where are we going what are we doing <laughs> I'm running for my life well don't you have faith that's why I'm running for my life <laughs> We're in slide 12. Sorry for jumping around, guys. I want to get somewhere with this. David writes that whole psalm out of that experience. And then he says this in the 11th verse. Come, you children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many. You're not going to get that verse too often except from people that kill giants and really establish kingdom identity in cities and countries and nations. But the real warriors will tell us, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. He redeems the soul of his servants 
and none of those who take refuge in him will be condemned. And now this is not theory. This is testimony proven through the experience that God allowed. God allowed it. Anybody remember the series that I preached and I capped it off with the, with the, the sermon about the surfers who talked about different kinds of waves and I encouraged you and challenged you to go into the summer taking deep dives in the Holy Spirit. Anybody remember that? Please say yes or I'll be really discouraged. Okay. How many of you encountered to your surprise that the enemy didn't want you to do that? See, he does not stand to the side so you can go on marvelous adventures in the glorious promises of God. He is not about you remembering all the victories and building memorial stones so you can establish faith in new generations to come of the great things God can do through a shepherd boy's life. He's not about that. He's not about you going out on waves and surfing and things, you know, I would never be able to do this, but he has established my feet on this wave. He's not about that. Maybe, you, maybe so much so that you, you, you were convinced the week of when I encouraged you to go on a deep dive, the week that came up, something happened in your life and right there it was bam, right in your face. You slammed into the sand, you didn't get anywhere. But you thought, man, I can't. What do you mean, me? What? I'm here to tell you today that God wants to create space for you and help you this morning. I'm here to tell you to the young soldier and warrior that God is opening a door for you in school this fall that no man can shut. God is opening a door for you on your campus that no man can shut. And even though the enemy will declare war on the advancement you make by faith in the kingdom of God, and it could seem by October that you were just out above, out over your skis too far and you were just making it up, why would I think God's going to use I'm here to tell you this message is for you. In the midst of the stuff that doesn't make sense, if he did, then why this? If he did, then why this instead of that? Why is mine harder than theirs? Because you're a warrior king in the making. Because God's gonna use you to establish kingdom authority in things that's never existed before. Because you're a true threat to the demonic strongholds that have been entrenched in certain environments in our town, in our region for generations. I'm here to tell you that when you step out and even after a great victory to begin and people start gathering around, expect an intense assault, but expect, expect God to lay before you what you need that no soldier can give you, no preacher can give you, no friend can give you. Jonathan can't bring it to you, but you can encourage yourself in the Lord as David did and be an example. Look, if you take a snapshot of me with spit going down my beard, scribbling on the wall, so afraid I faked insanity to save myself. 
Even in that, God had his hand on my life. There are people that need to know that, friend. There are people. I'm going to... We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna do communion today. I want to say something that I said last week that I want to say today again. So very important. Um, it's very difficult to do. But we have to take, we have to give the editing rights to our story of grace back to God. And in the wisdom of God, tell, tell, the par, tell some of the parts of our story that we've edited they're too raw and real. But it's the part we edit out that some people need to hear because the enemy convinces us that nobody else, no other pastor, no other leader, that great worship person, the guy that's friendly to everybody at the back door, all that stuff, all that. My, my life is whacked. I don't just kick robots, man. I wish my best day was spit on my beard and scribbling on the wall, but if I, how could, when we edit When we edit, now again, and I don't mean, you know, you just go throw up on the floor in front of people. But when we edit, people don't have a hook because the devil tells everybody the same thing. He might have promised it to you. He might have this, but look now. Does this look like God has his hand on your If that's you today, if that's you today, this time is going to get real personal. And here's why. The last verse in chapter 22, David says to all those that gather with him in the cave, God gives him a grace to say this. You listening? You guys listening? I, I, I got to read it. Because there's a shadow of the Messiah in this whole story. The priest, the priest Ahimelech is, is, is a picture of Jesus. I know we think of David as a picture of Jesus. You know, the Messiah's great, 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 14th generation grandfather, which he is, but the priest gives the bread to David, gives the sword, the victory to David, that's Jesus, um, provides a stronghold in the cave, 
The Lord's our refuge. The last thing that said, and, and oh, and he's betrayed by Doeg. There's the, mess, the Messiah's shadow is all over this story. And that means something for all of us. And David says to all those who come to the cave, God gives him enough sanity to say this. This is powerful. Now, this is Jesus. This would be like Jesus talking. Stay with me. Do not be afraid. For he who seeks my life seeks your life. If you're in Christ, somebody's seeking your life. If you have an awareness of your identity in the kingdom for advancement, I got to tell you, somebody's not going to roll over. And someone's declared war against you. Stay with me, Jesus would say. Do not be afraid. For he who seeks my life seeks your life. Then he says this. But you are safe with me. Night, which Doeg gave up the priest. On the night, Judas gave up the priest. He took bread and he broke it. And he said, This is my body broken for you. Stay with me. For he who seeks my life seeks yours. But Simon, I have prayed for you. In the Greek word for you pronoun is plural. I have prayed for all of you. John 17's version of it is, and Father, not just for these, but for all who will believe in me because of their word. Protect them from the evil one. Stay with me, for you're safe with me. Take and eat all of it. You know what that bread says? In your journey, if your heart stays consecrated, that doesn't mean your heart's perfect. Oh. David says, if you marked our iniquities, nobody could stand. But there is forgiveness with you that you might be feared, adored, revered. Isn't that the thing the most? I don't know about you, but the thing that gets me the most about Jesus is the more I know who I am, the more he presses into my life who he is, the more I feel like I don't measure, the more his loving kindness comes and says, I will, will. On the night that the priest was betrayed by Doeg, and on the night that Ahimelech in the shadow of Messiah shed his blood, made a sacrifice of his life to feed David, remind him of the sword, 
and stand up against Saul on the night that Judas betrayed him for 30 pieces of silver. He took the cup and he said, this is my blood shed for you. Now it's shed for everybody, but David out there, those of you, sisters, brothers, running for your life, and you're, you're here today, and, and people don't know the half of it, and you are carrying a burden that says, if he did, then why this? If he did, then why this instead of that? My friends are happy, my, my brothers are in, enriched in a home, and my life, I'll... But I can't tell everybody. This is especially for you. And he says to you in the cave, you're not in the, you're not in the palace, you're still in the cave of Adullam. And you don't know what's coming. He says, stay with me. He who seeks your life, seeks my life, my life, your life. But you're safe with me. David also said this, you prepare. Come on, say it with me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemy. You anoint my head with oil. On somebody. Drink. Hey. I'm going to stand up. I know I'm standing up, but I'm, I'm, I'm like you right here. I'm sitting down. And I'm going to stand up as the first person to say, I need God's grace and strength like never before because I'm running for my life. And if you are too, I'm going to ask you to do what I'm going to do. What I've already told you, I want to ask you to stand too. Nobody else. You're, you, you feel like... What, you mean the, the emoji didn't help? Joel Osteen's sermon didn't, didn't rock your world? Nothing against him. I, I listen to Joel. I'll tell you, Joel becomes a lot more sweeter in his sermons to me when you're running for your life. Look around the room. Now, most people who are standing, maybe everybody, you can't tell the whole thing. Can you? Anybody standing, you think, how in the world did, did my world get right here right now? I want to say to you, 
that the Lord wants to especially feed your soul. That you, you go to the book, not for answers, but for feeding. And offer your hands to God and say, remind me of victories that I consider to be small in the past that are gigantic in your eyes. And bring around me people in my cave. This is a completely different man cave, isn't it? I want everybody that's seated, if you would, to sacredly stand up next to somebody who's standing. No words, no emojis, no see you next weeks, nothing but. I want to ask you to ask God not to answer anything, not to pray for them. This is different. I want you to ask God to let you feel just a little bit about the running for your life story that the person who was standing next to you is going through. And silently pray that God will remind them that he's never lost sight of them. And pray that whatever their kingly coronation is in God's eyes, it might not be that in other people's eyes, but in God's eyes, will come to pass. Would you do that? That's how we're going to close. Heavenly Father, I wish we had a ram's horn. Some of us would just be, we're so needing. We would say, Lord, let the oil flow from my head, down my beard, down my garments, down on the floor, make a mess of the carpet, <clears throat> saturate me. Lord, for everybody that's standing, Feed their soul this week. Feed their soul with this message. I know that people that are starving and running for their life, they've really listened today. They're hanging on. Give them the strength they need. I pray that somehow that they would have the eyes of their heart opened, that somehow, as crazy as it seems, they will know that the story that is unfolding in their life will be used to save the souls, to save the lives, to save the hearts of people who will come across their path because they unedit, they take the editing control rights off their story and you give them the grace to release more of it like the apocalypse so that people who needed to know that behind the beast attacks of Babylon, 
Jesus was king over the earth. Lord, I pray that for every person and for those standing next. I know, I confess this before you guys. I wouldn't feel the empathy I feel for others. I just know I wouldn't if I wasn't running for my life. And so, Lord, just like you bathed this service at the beginning, I don't know how to close a service. I don't want to close this. I don't want people to feel bondage to stay. But I turn this over to our worship people. And we're going to sing the hymns, the songs of the Lord in this place. And may we, may we just for a moment, may we just for a moment allow you to minister to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, this is Pastor Dustin, and thanks for listening. If you live in the Western Maryland area, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services or weekday gatherings. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environment, please visit myloh.church.